when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. From 104.7 WHUP-LP Hillsboro, this is She and Her. I'm Sandra Davidson. And I am Anita Rao. Hey, Anita. Hey, Sandra. how's how's it going well we were just talking um just continuing the conversation that we've been having for the past week about everything that's been happening and our thoughts and feelings and how to process it all and how to be really not how to not be overwhelmed because it's all very overwhelming it is all very very overwhelming it is but we're gonna take we're gonna take a little break from election-related stuff tonight on the show, yes. um, and we're going to bring you something different. What do we have in, in store? Well, this is a good segue. So one of the things that I've been craving sort of as a self-care mechanism and a way to process everything that's unfolding in this country is podcasts, both the ones that I find a home in every time that I listen to them, be it another round on BuzzFeed or new political processing podcasts, that sort of thing. And tonight we're actually going to bring on one of our favorite podcast hosts um, who we happen to be putting on an event together with in December. So before we do the big reveal, Anita, why don't you talk about the event that we have coming up? Yeah. So on Thursday, December 1st um, at Motor Co., a bar in Durham at 7 p.m., Sandra and I, along with three other triangle-based podcasts, are putting on a live podcast event. Yes. Um, And so we're each going to have about 20 minutes on stage and just sort of going to give you a flavor of what our show is all about. So we'll be joined by Seen on Radio, which is an amazing um, podcast produced by the Center for Documentary Studies and John Bewin. We'll be joined by WUNC's Civilist Podcast. And then we'll be joined by Criminal, the, the hit true crime podcast hosted by Phoebe Judge, produced by Lawrence Spohr. And we actually had an opportunity to sit down with Phoebe. There are criminals on a big national tour right now doing bits of their live show around the country. But she came and sat down with us right before she headed out on tour. And we're going to share that conversation with y'all tonight. So we started our conversation uh, asking her to talk a bit about her early radio influences. So take a listen. My father and mother met working at a public radio station, CRB, in Boston, and then moved to Chicago because my father was going to work as a sales director for WFMT, which is, you know, still at that time was the most famous classical public radio station in the country. And and Studs Terkel was working there and had had his radio show going there for decades. And so my father, being this kind of young 
you know, 32-year-old, 33-year-old who had known about studs and was enamored by him kind of got there, and studs never drove a car in his life. So my father showed up and kind of became... His chauffeur. His chauffeur oh for, for oh all gosh. of these. I mean, not in any way that this was required, but why wouldn't you want to you right. drive around studs? And so studs would go on these book tours all over America doing these oral history projects with, you know, race and Great Divide and all these books. And my father would go along on these and just drive studs around. Um, and so... You know, not only and Suds was basically, I think, you know, there at the hospital when I was born. And so I was kind of always influenced by these, I don't know, these like these icons, these radio icons. And I would be running around the radio station when I was a little girl. And um, and not just, you know, not just Suds Turkle, but all these other wonderful voices, these wonderful radio voices that I would hear that were I'd hear on the radio, but then they'd come over for Sunday night for dinner and things. And um, so in Chicago's always been such a great public radio town. My father moved from WFMT to WBEZ and was there for a long time and then um, started working um, for a Prairie Companion. So I, I really, I mean, I've, I've, I've been around it for a long time. My favorite thing was that my father used to do the pitching for the pledge drives. <laughs> he was very good at it. And I would, he would take me down. But, you know, during these public radio pledge drives, there's um, a lot of free food. And so <laughs> I would go and I would just like eat for days. I would just like hide <laughs> under the free food tables and like listen to the radio and eat. Um, and that's kind of how it, how the, when I was young, that was the public radio influence. And I guess it kind of led me to, take the leap into trying radio after I got out of college. So I was listening to Anderson Cooper being interviewed about the film that he made with his mom a couple of, like yeah, it's a, a good this, film this last year. Mm -hmm. And the host asked Cooper, you know, have you always been this person who is asking questions, like able to have these upper level conversations about this sort of thing. And he's like, that was my childhood because I was surrounded. My parents always had intellectuals, writers, personalities um, artists come and sit at the table with us at, at dinner and it was just always a part of who I am do you relate to that at all yeah I'll, I mean I, I've always since I was a little tiny girl um, asked too many questions probably <laughs> and uh, I can't not ask a question I've always just been so curious about things and I also think kind of I've always loved a little bit of a performance. Um, I, I kind of hasten to say that, but I think I've always been like a little bit of a ham. And so we'd have these dinner parties and I would want to perform or I'd want to be there. And I remember this one time I was, um, of course, trying to, you know, show off or something and <laughs> was performing one of my new magic tricks for people who like, you, as an adult now, when the little kids come in near the dinner table and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to sit through this show go. again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can see it now. But then I was so excited. And so I was performing this magic. I was probably doing very elaborate hand motions and all this stuff. And it was the trick where a little ball would go into the uh, a vase or like a genie's lamp. <laughs> and I was showing it around. I was trying to be very dramatic about it. And I, um, as one of the, like the ball not in here I tipped it to my mouth just to be like the ball's not in here and the ball which was in there <laughs> it went down the thing and directly into my throat and was stuck in my throat <laughs> and I've never seen my father move as quick he I mean he's never seen anyone move as quick to get it out of and the ball went shooting across so I've always kind of I think I've always like asked questions but also love to kind of uh I don't know keep people's attention keep people's attention a bit yeah so what was your, so you were always asking questions. When did you first 
get in front of a microphone more officially and how did that feel for the first time? When I graduated from college, I, I moved to Martha's Vineyard, um, which was terrifying, I think, for my parents a little bit. I mean, like, this is, college is really expensive. And here I was like, living in a barn and driving an old Volvo and like, fishing and landscaping. And um, I did that for a while. And it was this really wonderful, idyllic life. I did that for a while. But I think I think I'm glad that after some months of that, I realized, well, wait, like, I think maybe do a little something else. And there was a wonderful public radio station on Cape Cod, WCAI, which is where Transom comes out of and Atlantic Public Media was born. It's just a little fantastic shop. And um, and th- I knew someone who was working there. And my father, you know, I, I knew this person because she had been around for a long time. And I said, are there any internships? there and she said I think that they're interested they're not going to pay you anything and I don't know what you're going to do and so I for a year commuted on the ferry every day to WCAI because it was such a tiny station I did everything you know you just and then um one day there had been this rash of dolphin strandings on the Cape Hmm. and they didn't really have anyone to cover it and so I think someone said well Phoebe if you want to go try (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, okay, here's my big break, you know, dead dolphins. And I got out there. I was so nervous. Great I was so excited. Subjects. And I got out there, and the beach was just littered with these dying dolphins. And I remember, I, I didn't really know what to do, and I was trying to talk to people. But I remember being overwhelmed by the fact that I was in the, I was being for the first time being put in an experience where I would not have had this chance before, and now here I was seeing something like dying dolphins uh-huh. and so I was trying to classic public radio yeah, story <laughs> and I was trying to um, navigate knowing that I needed sound but also this human curiosity of this is what a dying dolphin looks like and I couldn't help myself I, I remember I had all this gear and I was probably fumbling around and I, I got it all under one arm and I reached down and I gave this dying dolphin a little poke <laughs> because I thought, uh, when are you ever going to be able to feel the dolphin? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it feel like? And I did that and I thought, okay, Phoebe, like I don't You've got to figure out how you not poke dolphins and just hold the microphone. You know, you've got, I've had this torn between this, what am I? And that kind of led to this opportunity, which is my first real, real reporting. I went, um, there, the first murder trial on Nantucket in decades happened. Huh. And the trial was about to start and they needed someone to cover it. And so I spent a month living on Nantucket in the courtroom of a, a very, uh, hard, vicious murder every day. I was young. I was 22. The Dateline was their New York Times, their New York Post. I mean, because it was just such a big deal that there was a murder on Nantucket. And these were two investment bankers from New York who had, and the woman had been killed by her boyfriend. And there I was, um, like Hoda Kotb was there when she was still working for Dateline. Wow. Yeah. And she was like sitting next to her. And, um, and well, I remember the the night that they invited me out for drinks with them, which I thought I thought I was so cool. <laughs> but I would sit in the courtroom every day and see the most vicious stuff, horrible stuff, and report on it. And I remember that I was supposed to be filing reports about what went on in the proceedings every day, which I did. But I, I spent the whole entire month staring at um, the mothers of Elizabeth Lochtefeld, the woman who had been killed, and... Um, and the man who had the mother of the man who had killed her, and I just watched these families, and I watched these mothers. And there was one day where the mother of of the accused man was going to testify on behalf of her son, kind of spare him. He's not a bad guy. And uh, I guess I had come back to the courtroom early, and sh- she was sitting. This this older woman was sitting. 
shaking, crying. I think just amazed that this had happened to her life. Couldn't believe that her son had potentially done this. Just what what the hell has gone on here? And Elizabeth Lochtefeld's mother came up to this woman who was going to go and testify for her son, who had killed, viciously killed this woman's daughter, and kind of put her arm around the mm-hmm. mother. And they sat there together. And I just watched this. And I remember thinking, you know, this is the compelling stuff. Like, this is the stuff I actually want to report on. I don't want to do those New York Post headlines because I saw the headlines. And I saw the family's reactions to those headlines, these nutty, you know, horror. I mean, we know what the Post does on their front page. And so after I that murder trial and I, I really thought okay well maybe now is the time to figure out how to make a longer radio story hmm. and and that's when I went to um, Salt in Portland Maine and did this graduate program in, in how to do that and um, yeah and then I got my first real job in radio so something that comes across through your work I mean I've heard you on the radio I've heard you on criminal I can hear it now is this charisma for what it is that you do and I think that translates so well. You can see that in a person like Sudge Circle. The charisma just oozes through the airwaves. And I wonder, you know, there's so many different ways to tell stories. You can write about them. You can visually tell a story. You can choose audio. What about audio is c- compelling to you? Well, I mean, it's the kind of the most basic form we have. It's just opening our mouth and talking. Um, I also think there's a way in which it's limiting, but you... You can't, a, a, a human voice, I mean, our, our ears are tuned to pick up signals in the human voice, hesitation, excitement, um, sadness. And I think that there's an intimacy in that that I'm very fascinated by. I also think that when you do um, video or television, y- your ears are being distracted and your eyes are being distracted. And so both of those can be, you know, a little bit less, the quality. But with your with audio and, and certainly with now with podcasting where most of the people who listen to criminal are listening in in their ears like deep in their ears uh, um, there's a there's a great intimacy I think and a great need for the highest quality audio which is a challenge because your ears pick up on things so I can't I can't listen I listen to to a lot of stuff and I hear bad edits and I hear breaths and things and I think that once you you know your ears are so trained to hear things that I love trying to make something that sounds um, perfect and intimate and that's and and, sp- and all the other things that, that we try to do at Criminal which is a sparseness and I, I think a quietness to the show but that's what draws me to, to audio and, and really always has. Who do you think was the biggest influence on the development of your voice you have such a distinct voice people talk about it people joke about it in other podcasts we listened to another round and they were talking about their favorite true crime shows and all of a sudden one of them was like and i'm phoebe judge like it's it's everywhere how how did you develop your voice is something you trained yourself to do i i I mean that's always such a hard i have such a funny question to answer (laughs) um i don't i mean a couple of things one a lot of times people will say are you from another country I'm, I'm from Chicago uh, but I <laughs> the truth of the matter is I think that 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 is maybe a little bit because when I was a little girl I lisped on my s's yeah. and uh, Mrs. Gorner my speech teacher taught me to keep my tongue behind my teeth when I said the letter s and I still think about that hmm. I mean I didn't have like a terribly bad lisp or anything but I still think about that and and so when I speak um I, I I'm speaking deliberately hmm. I'm, I'm constantly thinking about my tongue behind my teeth when I say <laughs> it. Uh, I also I mean I also hope 
the biggest fear in, in, in the world to me is that someone will hear me on criminal or hear me on the radio and then hear me in real life and say, oh, you don't sound anything like you do on the radio. Mm. Um, I think that's, I, my goal is to sound like, like me. Um, so I, I worry about that a lot. And, and I think that that took time. When I, first, when I first started speaking on the radio, I went through this wild, wild period where I was speaking so slowly, just so slow. Like almost, <laughs> I always, I wondered if I was like trying to like mimic like a phone sex operator. Like I didn't <laughs> understand what I was doing. It was so slow and you know, everything was so intentional. And, and um, my, uh, my editor called me, it, it was in Mississippi and said, you know, Phoebe, um, people love your voice, but I think we need you to speed up a little bit. And that made me so self-conscious. And so then for the next year I was talking so fast on the radio, you couldn't even, you know, the, I'm Phoebe Judge, da, da, da. And, um, it took a really long time, I think, to, you know, to speed up and slow down and sound like me. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know. I, I, it just took some practice. I hope I sound like myself on the radio. And I also understand that it's Ira Glass said this thing, um, ta- speaking on the radio and speaking in microphone, it's, it's like you're performing the best version of yourself hmm. always. So you want to, I was in the studio a couple of days ago and I had been in this wild trip to St. Louis for 12 hours the day before and and it was the end of the day and I was reading support for criminal comes from stamps.com and or you know something like that <laughs> and my, I just sounded tired like, mm. I couldn't fake it like my voice couldn't fake it and I sounded like the worst version of myself mm. <laughs> and so um I, it's it's I feel exhausted sometimes after even though I want to sound like me sometimes after a tracking session for criminal, which can be an hour and a half long um, for maybe four minutes of actual Phoebe talking or in the episode, I just feel so tired. But um, people say I sound like my father also. I mean, uh-huh. I have that, like people say, oh, that you're like, you're Tony Judge. Um, so I think you pick up patterns from your, from your parents, of course. And it's know. it's not easy. I mean, we've listened back to some of our earliest shows, and we just laugh at how. Oh, we it's sound. the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I won't even go back. Oh my yeah. god, I sounded like a robot. Or <laughs> I remember when a friend of mine was listening to one of our first few shows, and he was like, "You don't even have your accent anymore." Huh. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Am I? Because I, I wasn't even cognizant that I was necessarily changing. I was just like, "We're you know." On the one hand, we were learning to look at a script and try to host, and also just talk like ourselves. And it's there are so many different things that you're juggling when you're first doing it. Yeah, and also there's so many people who are going to talk about your voice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in the big scheme of things, I could care less what someone thinks about my voice in terms of the content that's coming out. Like, that's the most important mm-hmm. thing. You know, why are we talking so much about people's voices? Certainly, as we've heard, women's voices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I-, I would much rather someone say, oh, that story was so wonderful. Like, I cannot believe. Like, I love Phoebe's voice so much. Or, uh, on the other hand, why does she talk to me like I'm in preschool? I mean, we get both all <laughs> uh-huh. the time. So um, that that's an interesting conversation of, you know, this fascination uh, with, you know, women's voices on the radio, which are either those to, you know, criticize or those to hold up on a, on a pedestal. Yeah. So I want to pivot to talk more about the show. You've mentioned sort of your editorial style and approach to how it sounds. And... I'd like to zoom out more and get the origin story for Criminal. So you'd been working in radio for a long time. Tell us how you got into this world of podcasting. Well, I was working on a 
a show called The Story with Dick Gordon that was at WUNC, and that show was canceled. And I had been uh, wanting for a while to host my own show. Um, I don't think because I wanted to hear the sound of my voice, but I wanted the control of no one saying don't do that. And podcasting had kind of started to explode a little bit, but it hadn't completely catapulted. You know, Serial was still a year off. And and so when when the story went off the air, it seemed like kind of the opportune time to start. Um, and Lauren Spore, who had been working at the story with me, and Eric Menel, who was also working at the story, the three of us thought to ourselves, and we had now kind of either lost our jobs or had been put into new positions, as Eric and I had, um, thought, well, we'll start right now. And uh, Lauren came up with the idea for crime. There really wasn't many, um, there weren't many crime podcasts at that point, or uh, I guess the idea was that people who listen to public radio also watch Law and Order. And so how do we (laughs) bridge these things? (laughs) And, you know, I think in the early days, I had this idea that we would be, you know, the New Yorker of of crime shows. Um, (laughs) That was the hope. And so we just, the three of us just started. And it was very difficult because we were both working in... uh, Eric and I were working in a public radio station all day, and I was at a microphone all day. But then at night, we would have to construct these wild studios in closets and things because we didn't, we weren't making it. We were making it at night, in in our houses, in closets with yoga mats, and it was hot and frustrating. And um, but I think we we thought to ourselves, we are going to make this work. I, and, and making this work wasn't uh, we we're going to have you know, 4 million listeners, it was, we are going to have some things that's sustainable and that people can count on, even if it's only my father who's listening, you know, that we are <laughs> going to keep putting this product out and it, and that this creativity that will come from making the show will help us fulfill some of the creativity maybe that we weren't feeling in other parts of our lives. Yeah. So we just started cri- with Criminal and the first episode came out um, in January of 2014 we had 49 listeners uh (laughs) and i remember i watched those numbers so carefully all day and i I remember when we got to uh the 51st listener i thought this must be someone that i don't know and um it felt i only know 50 people yeah like (laughs) i was and i'm like maybe he's generous too i I don't think everyone i know was listening to criminal that and um and the next week we got a ten dollar check from a woman in West Virginia. Oh, wow. A donation. And uh, I just thought that was the greatest that thing. That is so cool. And so that's it. It was just, we kept putting it out, you know, and for the first year it was once a, once a month. And then we, you know, our audience slowly, slowly kept building. We had some good press. We were picked up by Radiotopia in October of that year, which was kind of a dream because I remember all the way back in January when we would, three of us would sit around and say, what's next for, what would we dream? What Mm. what would be like the dream for Criminal? And we said that, well, maybe Radiotopia would pick us up. And then they did. Um, And then, you know, Er Eric Mena left Criminal. And so Lauren and I plugged along uh, and continued to put out episodes and and grow the show. And and now we're at 52 episodes. We put one out yesterday and we just hired a producer, a third person, which feels wild and great. And I resisted for a while. I resisted hiring someone else because I thought, I I don't know, I felt so crazy about control and, and, 
I, I, I say it, I think I say it like once a day. She's been with us for a couple of weeks now. I think I say it once a day, like, Phoebe, why did you wait so long? This is the <laughs> greatest thing to have some, an, another editorial um, ear um, is the greatest thing. So. so tell, I mean, your stories are so um, intricate and surprising. And these people who live among us, but we would never think that they have the backstory that they do. To talk us through your process, how do you find your stories? How long does it take? So we're, we're constantly looking for stories. And I would say probably 99% of the stories that we find, we reject um, because something's wrong with them or it's just a whim. Like my whole thing is I love an animal attack. Love an animal <laughs> attack. But we don't, like criminal can't do all animal attack stories. And so obviously we're going to not do all of those. Um, so we're looking for stories constantly. We pitch them to each other. Hey, what about this? If, it, if we feel as though it's good to move forward, I should also say that people write in with story ideas, mm-hmm. which is wonderful when people do that. So we'll look at those a little bit. And then um, we'll say, oh, yeah, I think everyone kind of is on board and says, yeah, I, this, is, this is good. Why don't we pursue this a little more? Then someone will go out and, and try to um, make contact with the guest. Uh, I usually don't do the pre-interviews because it, we think sometimes it's better for me not to have talked to the guest before because mm-hmm. then they might think that they've told me something before and they won't explain in the studio. I mean, that's kind of an old trick. Um, so the pre-interview is great. Okay, let's get them in a studio. We write a cue line. Um, even if I don't <laughs> follow it all the time, it's there. And then do the interview. I like to talk to people um, for about an hour, but not much more than an hour because I think people get tired. Mm-hmm. And I think I get tired and I just think that's just about good enough. So I talk to people for about an hour. I was doing an interview this week. It's this wonderful story. I'm very, I'm, I, I feel more excited about this story than I have for a while on a criminal story. And the story was so good. And I, um, I, we had more time, but I thought after an hour, I thought, let's stop. Let's ha- let's have this guest come back because there's so much more to cover and I don't want to start rushing things. So talk to people for an hour, transcribe the tape for a really long time. We transcribe the tape ourselves and we just like a month ago started sending out our tape to be transcribed. Which That's is, nice. I'm I mean, sure. how many hours of my life I spent transcribing <laughs> tape. Um, and then w- someone uh, will take a will take its kind of ownership of the story and so write a first draft of the script and pull cuts and then we'll have an edit. It's usually a long edit, a three-hour edit or something. Go back, fix the changes after the edit. Most of our first drafts of Criminal are about 45 minutes, so we cut the, sh- the episode basically in half mm-hmm. during an edit. Do a second edit, then even sometimes a third, but hopefully only two. <laughs> then we go into the studio, track. Um, tracking takes longer than I like and... Um, you know, go over and over and over and over again saying stuff. Then cut the tracks, put the piece together, pick the music. We basically put a whole mix together and we use Pro Tools. And then send it off to a uh, an engineer who we work with uh, in Washington, Rob Byers, who masters it for us, mm. uh, which makes all the difference. Um, and then we put it out. So so it could be 80 hours for an episode. I mean, it just depends. Yeah. I My whole hope in life is that I am not on Thursday nights waiting to the last minute to publish an Mm. episode of Criminal, which is going to come out on Friday. I haven't seen, we haven't really seen one of those days yet. Um, This Thursday was a little better because it was all done by 6 p.m. So slow, slow progress. (laughs) But uh, I would like this to be all tied up by Wednesday. (laughs) I know the feeling. Well, so you have talked with people from all over the country your stories don't they're not bound by state or region and i wonder which of the 
the people who you feature do you return to? Like what stories can you, do you have a harder time moving beyond, moving past? Well, when I used to have a hard time falling asleep, I would go through every episode of Criminal. (laughs) And I think, so 52 now, so it's getting harder, but I would say episode one, the title, and then the kind of the guest name. And that that would, and <laughs> that if I- That's your counting sheet. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> and, um, and I think I could do that till about episode 34. And then I kind of got a little bit, uh, then I kind of got a little confused. I, I think that, um, why well, I, I love so many of the stories. I mean, there it's people that I'm interested in, but it's also the stories. I always think about that petrified wood theft story that we did. It's a story called Episode 23, Triassic Park. And it's about wood theft at a national park in Arizona. People would steal this petrified wood, because why wouldn't you? And um, there's so much of it. And they put a little piece in your pocket, which is something I would totally do. I would absolutely <laughs> do this. Uh, but then people were finding out that there was this crazy curse that was happening to people who stole the wood, which wasn't actually true, but people believed they were cursed. So they started sending the wood back with all of these letters, these wonderful letters. And so I think about that story and that kind of, I, I love those episodes of Criminal where it's a crime, but it's like so much more. The crime is mm-hmm. the tiniest part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about an episode we did with um, this episode that I always thought people were going to love so much. I think it's episode 19. It's an episode called Gill from London. And it's about a um, woman who was romance scammed. Mm. And her son was very worried for his mother's heart and um, wrote to us and said, this is going on. And he told me about about the story and then he said so I needed to get to the bottom of it so I called this guy and pretended to be my mother and I recorded it and I said do you I said you have tapes of you pretending to be your mother um and he said yeah and I said okay well we're gonna do the story now (laughs) (laughs) when this woman was speaking to me she was speaking out about this because she didn't want anyone any other woman to be hurt and but also you could tell how actually heartbroken she was and that she thought for a minute this was love and happiness and getting to be with someone and was so excited that this person was going to come visit her and I, I felt so sad about that I, I mean I felt so sad about that woman and what had happened to her and I I felt in a way that I would feel about my mother you know having this and uh, so I think about about her story a lot because it was about the crime and the bigger thing but that felt like a the way that crime touched someone so directly um i think about her and i also think about an episode it was episode five it was called um i hope that's right see i tell you now (laughs) i think it's we lost them and it was about a family um will corporan we interviewed and his father and nephew had been gunned down by fraser glenn cross a kkk member in overland park kansas we talked to him just about 10 days after this event had happened and we talked to him because we were interested in figuring out what happens when something like that happens? These things that we go on behind the scenes. How are you contacted by the police department? Mm. How are you contacted by the hospital? What do you do with the bodies? I mean, these very like logistical questions. And he, the way he spoke about it, the clearness that he spoke about it um, was amazing to me. I think about him a lot. And, um, and I think the, the 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 other episode I think a lot about this episode called um, six nine five BGK was episode eighteen, yeah. and it was about an unarmed black man in uh, Texas who was shot by a white 
police officer. And I think about Robbie Tolan, who was shot and still has a bullet in his liver, and they just lost their their case. Um, But I also think about Marion Tolan, the mother, Mm. who fought, I mean, fought, went to the Supreme Court. You know, they sold their house. She fought for this so hard. And um, I think about about her, and we just did an update with her, and they lost. Yeah, and her husband decided that he didn't want to try again. Yeah, it was just too much. And you could hear in that, you know, her having to kind of say, my family can't go through any more fighting. But you could hear in her voice, but I want to keep fighting. And so I think about about those those three stories a lot. I mean, so, you know, there's so much going on in the show. There's like psychology. Like we're talking to victims of crime. We're talking to perpetrators of crime. We're talking to law enforcement. You're talking to law enforcement agents. How? And this is all within the bigger picture of us having a pretty intense, heated conversation about criminal justice in the United States. How has this show changed the way you think about criminal justice in this country? Well, I think I'm more confused about it now than I was going in. Um, Obviously, there are tremendous problems. And I think some of the biggest problems are these loopholes people fall through where they can't get help or that they are they fall into a situation where maybe they should not they should not be prosecuted or be serving time for, you know, these 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 odd cases. And we like to find those odd cases. Um, I think it's it's. We had, well, there's a, it's a mess. I mean, I, I don't think anyone would deny that the criminal justice system in America is a mess. Uh, I think that for us, it's trying to put voices to those who have been impacted, rightly or wrongly, by the criminal justice system to kind of figure out... Um, I mean, even talking about it, what am I saying? I mean, I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. I mean, this is what I think. If criminal tried to take on the injustices of the criminal justice system in America, we just—I wouldn't be able to open my mouth because I wouldn't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a. This is a. We are. We are plagued by problems at everything, and I think there's no denying that everyone thinks we we need. We need to fix things. We need to fix the prison system. We need to fix the relations between cops. and But but for me, I'm trying to figure out the stories of the people behind all of those problems. So uh, there is no denying. Criminal will do an episode about an unarmed black man being shot by a white police officer and want to tell that story and want to tell the story about the fact that the white police officer has been promoted to sergeant. But I also, as criminal, want to do the story about the LAPD diver who in the tar pits. Who, the tar pits who came home and I was speaking about this and his wife said to me, you know, this Sergeant Dave Mascarenas, um, his, his wife said, you know, it's so hard for Dave because what's going on with cops now and how cops are being looked at. And he just, you know, he, he's beat up by this. He's beat up by, you know, he comes home and he feels like people are looking at him like he's, not a good guy and not trying to, you know, and I'm, I'm interested in that. I'm interested mm-hmm. in the human emotion behind these, these problems. So I think, you know, or, or, or you know, you know, Scott Foster, the Hillsborough Police Department I was canine. Say that. That show made me who, think like, about that crying too. over his police dogs, you know, yeah. so they, there are big problems going on, but how do we put like some humanity behind these yes. issues um, is like criminals goal. And we can't, I, I can't fathom taking on the, the big the bigger things for this you know at least right not right now but how do we draw out and and also we were t- 
you know, the cases that we can take on or the rules or laws that we can take on that um, maybe point to the bigger things. Like there's this case that we're thinking about doing in Chicago. It's it's um, it's basically says that if you are you're selling drugs and you're running down the street and the cops are chasing you in their cop car. But if the cop car hits a bystander while they're chasing you and the bystander dies, you can be charged with that bystander's murder. Mm. Wow. It's a very interesting, very interesting idea there. And so how do we, you know, that's something I feel like, well, we can cover that idea. It's bringing in a lot of, so that's how we think about it. But we also, when we, we just did a big episode with Brian Stevenson about the death penalty in the South. And um, so when we can try to take on, but Brian Stevenson talking about the death penalty, and so, talking about his experience representing people on mm-hmm. death row. So we can talk, you know, I can't give a, I don't want to give my opinion about the death penalty or anything like it. I want to just talk to someone who has direct experience with the death penalty. So we know that shows obviously take on a life of their own. People are curious about who Phoebe is and how does she get her voice, all of that. And you all have played into this a little bit with Phoebe Judge Me. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a bit about what that is and how it has grown and taken on a life of its own? (laughs) Well, we we started Phoebe Judge Me. I I first started with a, um, I I don't don't basically, I know how to talk into a microphone. That's pretty much it. I don't know how to really use Twitter that well or <laughs> make websites that well. And Squarespace, w- who was sponsoring Criminal, we thought to ourselves, let's try to make a Squarespace site, which is actually very, I mean, Squarespace sponsors Criminal, but it's like very easy to make a Squarespace <laughs> I site. I can we testify. Have, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. Um, so well, the yes. first Squarespace <laughs> site that we did was called Phoebe Judges, and I judged my favorite things. So it'd be like favorite national park favorite hat favorite seltzer favorite just pictures of my favorite things um and then that that had you know people thought that was funny and gone and so i've got this last name that lends itself to these types of things and so i think the idea was well what 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 is the next creative play on phoebe judge and so phoebe judge me happened and i am a very opinionated person um (laughs) so i you know just it, it it just okay, like, let's try this out. The first questions we asked friends, and so that the first batch of three or four questions were friends writing in, and I would just answer honestly what I thought. But then what happened is that people started <laughs> writing constantly. I mean, I, people started writing Phoebe Judge me all the time, and not just funny questions. People were writing incredibly serious questions, um, questions which I absolutely do not feel qualified answering and it was amazing give us an example yeah i have stage four cancer Mm. and uh i haven't been in love with my husband for a long time should i try to find love before i die (laughs) and what do you like do you answer that no because i don't know what to say um and i don't that's a hard one i I would say i'm not i'm not um i'm not I'm not qualified. I mean, I, this is a Squarespace site that I just, you know, I, so stuff like that. And, but it's incredibly moving to see what people will write. And it's also, the, here's, the, here's what, pe- primarily, here's what people want to say. How do I find love? That's one. <laughs> or how do I get out of this horrible job? 
Hmm. That's that's those are the, the those are what people are thinking about. Certainly those that write into Phoebe judge me. I mean they're the funny ones too, but those are the overwhelming. You know, I want to find love. You know, is is romantic love real? You know, I mean all of these things. Or I sit at my desk every day miserable, and I don't know if I have the courage to leave this job and go out and do something I really want to do. So um, Phoebe judge me has just kind of continued a bit and I'm, I'm actually um, just about to put up some more Phoebe Judge Me's they've been it's been on hiatus and we're thinking about maybe a little Phoebe Judge Me for this live show so a little live Phoebe Judge Me so um, it is an ending I feel like part of that is has to do with the fact that like the subject matter that you're dealing with can be so basic in terms of like fundamental human emotions and you know fear or um, shame or hope that something will change. And so it's, I, I imagine it's easy for listeners to project a lot onto you because like you were just saying, you know, you might do an hour and a half of taping for a show that cuts down to four minutes of you. So although you're guiding listeners through these conversations, every episode, you're, you're kind of, you're just there to guide, but you're not projecting yourself onto it. So I, I wonder if it has to do with that. Yeah, I mean, it's also a little bit, I mean, I'm a little bit um, snarky and stern in my responses. I mean, I, which I think is okay. I mean, I do, f- I mean, I, I do feel, feel the way I write about these things. Uh, my favorite one was, um, uh, was, I mean, it's people, I think, thinking that there is this calm voice on mm-hmm. criminal, you know, <laughs> the guiding, steering the ship. Um, so maybe she'll have some advice ab- about what to do with my pet snake. But uh, <laughs> there's a, a, a great one which said, um, uh, hi, Phoebe, love the show. Can't get enough of the show. Uh, I just wonder if you could try to keep um, your mouth together a little bit more so you aren't lisping so much on the oh uh, advice God. or something like that. And I thought that was a great one. I think my response to that was, glad you're enjoying the show, exclamation point. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, so, I mean, it's fun to see them come That's in. like and a gentle troll. You're just <laughs> glad you're enjoying the show. But they, they come in a lot, and I'm always surprised when they do come in. And um, it's also fun because I, I get to, you know, share them with people, you know, share them around and say, hey, look what happened. Look what came into Phoebe Judge Me today. So the show has taken off. You all are about to go on this big set of travels. Tell us a little bit about um, how do you take care of yourself amidst all of the craziness? Do you? We know you're a workhorse. Well, I'm. Um, <laughs> that is yes. Uh, I mean, it's. I don't know if I'm workhorse, but I I know that I love. I'm, I'm a lot of anxiety, and um, I am running. Um, I, for me, when I say this, I think it is the biggest accomplishment in the world, but. I think for anyone who's a, like a runner, they're like, that's not a big deal. I do that every week. But I'm running 50 miles in October, not all at once, but just I have to reach 50 miles in October. Cumulatively. So it's like three mile in three mile increments, nothing less than three miles. So I'm doing that and um, which will be running on tour a little bit. But I think that that's probably good. I um, have a garden, which I call a farm. Um, <laughs> with just kind of tiny and so I, I grow things and I cook and um, take walks and take on projects I, mean, I think that's like when you're traveling a lot and worrying about stuff to, to have the project of thinking okay like the goal for today like let's talk about organizing the 
the back of the house you yes. know mm-hmm. let's just let's let's take on you know these christmas lights you know something like that can be it's the routine and you know that you know that that's how i do it what do you read and listen to um well Actually, this morning I was reading A Day in the Life of the Soviet Union, which is an amazing book that I found yesterday at the Durham Library Sale, um, which is <laughs> 1987, and just pictures, and um, I read that. I read things like that, and I also um, bought a book of Birds of Prey and also another bird book, so those things. I love to read cooking magazines a lot, um, and I listen to... I mean, I'm, I listen to a lot of Radiotopia shows, actually, but I listen to Fresh Air always. Um, I always say that if Terry called me up and said, Phoebe, it's you, I would get in that car oh. so quick. Oh, I'd just go gosh. rushing to Philadelphia. Um, that would be perfect. Uh, and I think I, it's going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> that I, would be perfect. I, so I, I haven't d- thought about that until you said that, but it's... The, it's the natural. Set. She's she's <laughs> as so far as I'm concerned. She's so wonderful. I mean, I, she's wonderful, and I also listen to this personal finance show called um, Dave. Ram- he, his man name is Dave Ra- Ramsey. Mm-hmm. He's a, a right wing Christian who uh, has this call in show where for three hours he takes these personal finance calls, and I'm obsessed with it, and I listen <laughs> to it constantly, and. Um, I listen to that show so much. And sometimes Criminal and Dave Ramsey are next to each other on the iTunes charts. And the sense of accomplishment that gives me, like nothing else. Like we could, Dave and I could be, you know, 38 and 39. And I would almost rather have that than being number 15. Because I just think that that's such a good thing to these two things together. Proximity to Dave Ramsey. Well, I have, I mean, I have one more question. Sure. (laughs) What has it, how do you think being a woman in this industry has shaped your experience? Yeah, I mean, listen, Criminal Productions is an all-woman staffed organization. Uh, I don't think intentionally, but it it is, and we're happy that it is. I I think as a as a host, um, we are. You, you hear about this lack of women in podcasting, and that's true. We need a lot more women. But what's interesting is if you look at some of the top podcasts, on iTunes at least, they're hosted by women. And that says something. That there aren't enough of us, but there should be more because some of the best quality work is coming from women. Um, And so I recognize that all the time. I also don't have tolerance for anything. I, I just... This is wildness, you know? I mean, the fact that we still have to have this conversation about, you know women and their authority on the radio and women's voices. I mean, it's one of the reasons why uh, one of the comments we hear most at Criminal Productions about my voice. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is it. If you look at the iTunes reviews, every other one has something to talk about my voice. And I don't care if it's someone saying we love her voice. I mean, that that should not be the number one. Mm. If you're like, I love Criminal so much and I'm going to write an iTunes review. But the first thing that comes out of your Mm -hmm. mouth is, I love Phoebe's voice. Right. <laughs> I want it to see. This content is so fascinating. Did you hear this guest? You know, there's a way in which it sometimes feels like a novelty. Mm. You know, that women were a novelty. Um, I think that that's changing slowly. And I think that criminal is 
and a lot of these other women hosted podcasts are kind of pushing that back and say we we're not going to we're not going to get off on novelty anymore you know you, you this is content and this is substance and and then you know when we can, finally can stop talking about this women stuff then we can talk about the real problem in podcasting which is diversity mm. you know women is, are kind of we're doing we're not doing great but we're doing we're doing okay mm-hmm. if you look at the charts we're doing okay but what the real problem is that the women that are doing okay the women the biggest you know are oh, white I, women yeah. And so when do we start, when do we get to start, you know, when do women get to be established enough in podcasting that then our attention can be now turned to diversity? Phoebe, thank you. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So that was our conversation with Phoebe Judge, the host of Criminal. And as we said at the top of the show, we will be with Phoebe live at MotorCo on Thursday, December 1st, along with three other podcasts or two other podcasts um, based in the Triangle doing a live event showcasing everything that we do behind the scenes. Yes, y'all come. Come. It's free. You can RSVP. Um, you and f- when we say we have surprises for you, we have some serious surprises serious for you. Surprises. <laughs> serious surprises. And the, we, we actually just met with the crew of people who are going to be a part of the show, or most of them, last night. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. One of the other things that has been giving me some resolve and that I've recommitted to more than ever is looking for local journalism and local storytelling and there is such a strong community of that here. So we're so excited to be on stage and bringing these people together who are part of that community. So we are. So check yeah. it out. You can find all the information and links to it um, at our Facebook and on Instagram. And we'll be tweeting it out. Um, and all of that is She and Her Radio. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are She and Her. We're here every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. We're a podcast, too. You can find us on iTunes and all the other places where podcasts are available. Take a listen. Tell your friends about us. We love hearing from you guys with story ideas, and we hope you're taking care of yourself. Have Good a night. Thanksgiving. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.